Blog Talk Radio. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party in NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro. Listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. From Dagan Nation, I'm Tim Despain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com's Mr. Stephen Wilson. Stephen, right outside of Ripon Raceway up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Where the crow flies, I'm about eight miles south of the 2.66 mile march we call Talladega Super Speedway. We got a big show this evening. Let's go ahead and bring the official Reverend, Mr. Reverend Joe, from out there in sunny Southern California. Let's bring Reverend in the show. Reverend, how I'm you doing here. tonight, bud? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you very much. That means a lot. It really does, especially going out across there. It really does. And I ain't going to lie, I will be 48 tomorrow. The big 48. Yeah, that's half of me, so don't complain. <laughs> don't worry. I, <laughs> yes, sir. I hope I hope I'll make it another half. Also, I hope the good. Which well, I think me and you spoke about this before. Uh, I'm not scared to go, but I just don't want to go right yet. Well, I was always ready to go at any minute. The only thing I was ever concerned about was what the last 10 minutes might feel like. Yeah. You got a point there, but the good Lord's, you know, he's he's already got our path set. Reverend, you know, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, and whichever way he decides we're going to go, that's the way we're going to go, ain't we, brother? Yep. I, I also believe that even though we can't see it somewhere on our body, there's a time stamp, and we're not going the day before that or a day after. That's the day we're going, and we got to be ready every day. So You're let's exactly get this right, party Reverend. started. Yes, sir. Crank it up, Reverend. Lord, we thank you so much for all you do. I ask you to bless Suzanne's doctor appointment tomorrow. I ask you to bless all of our racist fans all over the country. I ask you to bless Tim, make his birthday tomorrow the best birthday he's ever had. But keep him around for a long time longer. Be with him. Be with all of us. I ask you to remember all of those who are hurting, remember our soldiers, remember everyone in the uniform that's crazy enough to run toward the trouble while we're running away from it. So please be with us all, and we thank you for all these things. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, your Son, who you sent to die a horrible death, so that we would have a way to heaven. We thank you, Lord. Amen. 
Amen, Reverend Joe, and thank you and Suzanne very much for that happy birthday. That really meant a lot. I didn't see that one coming, brother. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> you got you have a good week. And you too. Tell Chuck and Myers I said hello and uh, listen to him on the radio often. And um, you guys have a good time, and you have a great birthday. Thank you very much, Reverend. Before you jump out of here, let it, uh, go ahead and let yep. everybody know where they can follow your site and social media, bud. On track with Jesus.org is our website. On track with Jesus at AOL.com is my email address. Uh, social media, you'll find me under Rev Joe Bubberco on both of them, I believe. And um, my phone number is 951 232. 7630. Have questions? Email me, text me, whatever makes you happy. Call me. Reverend Joe, thank you very much for being the official Reverend of the Pit Stop, Terrence Bain, Steve Wilson. Tim and Betty, we said hello. Y'all have fun out there in sunny South, sunny Southern California. We'll talk to you next Tuesday, my friend. All right. Talk to you then. Bye bye. Thank you. Reverend Joe there, the official reverend of the pit stop, Tim Espany and Steve Wilson. Now we've got uh, my my sidekick, uh, CEO of Speedway Digest, Stephen Wilson. Let's bring him on with a bang right here and get everything. Come on, button. Work right. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Stephen, how's everything going on up there in the Commonwealth of Virginia this evening, bud? Um, not too bad. Got sidetracked a little bit today, but not too bad at all. Well, I can tell you've been uh, you must be working a lot because I'm not seeing I'm seeing a good bit of social media stuff, but not nothing like I normally do. You must be staying busy. Yeah, um, they're, they're, they're keeping me busy at work. Um, that, uh, that, that was, uh, you know, we've, we've got some, uh, new things going on and, uh, just like, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we understand, Stephen. And let me let everybody know, uh, number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com's Stephen Wilson. Coming up here shortly, uh, we have moved him from 720 Eastern Time to 730 Eastern Time, uh, the most famous gas can man I see in the world for Dale, for Dale Senior, RCR, and uh, co-host there of Trading Paint on Sirius X Skip NASCAR Channel 90. Mr. Chocolate Myers is going to step in and, and uh, join us. And, Stephen, uh, do we have any breaking news? I haven't got anything. Do we have any penalties come out of uh, uh, Kentucky? No, no, I haven't heard anything at all coming out of Kentucky. There's some more testing today at the Roval there in Charlotte for the end of September Bank of America Roval 400, which is smashed up cars yet again today. Um, Ryan Blaney got it. Um, uh, uh, William Byron took his, his car was taken out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it sounds like, you know, when they go to the Roval, it's going to be like a demolition derby to some extent. <laughs> 
You got that right, brother. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I sort of jumped through social media list there looking. I think Alex Bowman got, didn't he get caught up in one, too, about the same, about the same spot that uh, uh, Ryan Blaney did? Yeah, they seem to all be having the same problem where um, there's some braking issues there at the track, and they're getting into those tire barriers that are just, you know, they, they're just unforgiving to begin with. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, um, they, they, they've just got – they've got to take care of these braking problems. And later this afternoon, I've read a little bit about Goodyear. They were out there today. And they put sensors on all the tires out there, trying to see what's going on with the tires, and maybe come up with a different combination. It sounds like they may be working on a new combination for, uh, you know, this Rover 400 coming up at the end of September. Xfinity drivers, they uh, they they've not had the chance to get back and, or go out there and test on this track as of yet. So it sounds like there's also going to be some. Ex- Extended practice for them. I think somewhere in the neighborhood of four, four and a half hours, starting that Thursday uh, of the of the September event. There at the end of um, yeah, there at the end of September for for the uh, for their chase or their playoffs. That's right, Stephen. And I don't remember if you and I spoke about it, but just, well, before I go into this other statement, there I I want to. I'm going to throw out there for our listeners. Uh, you, you brought up William Byron, and to some of our listeners that didn't actually see what happened to, to William Byron, you can see it on social media. NASCAR has the video. I think Fox Sports probably had video up too. But whenever he comes through the trial over there at Charlotte Motor Speedway, it's like, like he didn't even check up, Stephen. And I think he had a brake line break or something. But like you mentioned, he lost his brake. And, man, he knocked that, he knocked that tire barrier wall slapped into the other tire barrier wall where he missed the the attorney in there. Yeah, it did. And there's some fast speeds out there. I think A.J. Allmendinger said that they were pushing mid-190s, 194, 193-ish, at some of those points in, um, not inside of the rumble itself, but once they get back up onto the one-and-a-half-mile racetrack, that they're off. that they're um, that they're getting about 193, 194 out there. So there's some incredible speeds that they're having to slow down and uh, loop into that roval, which is right at the end of pit road, um, instead of going all the way around the track to turn one. It's between the uh, the quad oval there and the uh, you know turn one, where they've really got to check up a whole lot. And yeah, that's right, Stephen. Also, to add to your point earlier, you mentioned Goodyear was out there. And I know NASCAR, and I'm pretty sure, I'm about 99% sure of the statement I'm fishing to throw out there. With it being a road course, they are bringing a wet weather tire here, or not here, up there at Charlotte for the Bank of America Rover 400. Do you think NASCAR needs to look at that? I mean, because, uh, you know, you're getting up to them high speeds like you just mentioned. Uh, racing around the original Charlotte Oval there, and then you get to the Roval part, and they're talking about this wet weather tire. And does this, I don't know that much about the wet weather tire, Stephen, because I know you don't pay that much attention to road course races with the wet weather tire, but uh, what is some, is that wet weather tire equipped to run that high speed in the high 180s 
on the actual Charlotte track there rather than the oval. Um, I don't know the, the exact specifications of the design on the the, the weather tires. And, and in fact, it's been quite some time since we've actually used it in the Cup Series. The Xfinity Series has used it several times over the past 10 years or so. And uh, Shark Series, I think, has used it at um, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. Um, but the Cup Series itself... Uh, it, it goes back pretty long way, so you know these are tires that have been sitting around and designed for various different racetracks. Most most of them being like Watkinsville and Sonoma, um, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, and Red America, places like that. That these uh, Xfinity Series and these um, other uh, truck series are going to. Um, so uh, for them, you know, you're you're never hitting in these 190s. You're you know you're 150s. 160, something like that, maybe touching on the 170s at straightaways at some points. But, um, you know, there's about 20, 25 mile an hour difference between probably the max speeds that you ever clock in at these tracks to uh, what what they're seeing at the roval. So I think that's going to be an issue that uh, Goodyear is probably going to have to compensate for. Um, of course, these teams are not going to be running 190 miles an hour in the wet weather, regardless of the fact. Um, it'll slow them down considerably, but as far as running 190, I don't think that you know, from 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 my limited knowledge on it, I, I don't think that they can ever hit a 190 mark without something going terribly wrong. And you know, teams are smart enough to know this, drivers are smart enough to know this, and you know, they're they're going to back these cars down considerably. They may only be running at half half speed or something like that if they're out there in the rain. Exactly, Stephen. And before I get off the Roval talk, you know, uh, this is their this was the uh, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series final test for the Roval. And you mentioned they're going to bring the Xfinity cars in. Do you have a date on that when they're going to bring them in to test the Roval there also? Well, they're not going to get to go on this until the Thursday before the race, so they've got some time to wait before. They even get to see this track um, or, you know, get some actual testing time. It's from what I've read about four to five hours that they're going to start on that Thursday. They get an extra day in there to run some, some testing out there since they haven't had the opportunity to go out there and test. Um, you know, I think every single team that has been watching this in the Xfinity series not only the ones that are aligned with the cup and have some data with that, but, you know, just have either gone out there or talked to some of these teams or uh, read things about what's going on either, you know, online or through social media and things like that. Um, I think they can already, already expect that every one of them are going to have to bring a backup car because there is that high propensity that um, even these drivers, some of these drivers have been on the road course and tested the road course. I think this is the third one that we've had of testing. And there's still some of the same, there's still some drivers out there that are, um, you know, getting in a, in a wreck. Uh, I think um, Wood Brothers earlier today said that they've been out to all three of these testing and only once did they come back and not have something damaged on the car. So um, that shows you the, the level of, um, you know, incidents that, 
could potentially happen, and especially for these teams' first time seeing it. Exactly, Stephen. And Stephen, uh, I want to move on to another subject. I don't know if you had a chance. You know, you said you've been busy. Y'all been doing a lot of server upgrades and stuff there at, at work. But uh, speaking of Chocolate Myers, I was listening to Trading Paint earlier, and uh, uh, Noble and Chocolate were talking about uh, our good friend uh, Jerry Jordan from Kicking the Tires. He had put out an arc this morning. I don't know if you had time to to see it, but they were talking about it. And I don't know if Jerry just didn't want to come on their show and discuss it, but uh, he actually talked to a few crew chiefs, and they have figured out a way to manipulate the OSS system. There, and I I didn't know this till I was listening to Noble and a chat. They were talking about the uh, different colors in a car that goes through the optical scanning system. The OSS let everybody know what I'm what I'm referring to, a lighter car gets a lower density uh, test going through that OSS, and a darker car gets a more high resolution. There's something about the lasers and stuff in there, but Jerry actually talked to some crew chiefs, and I hadn't had a chance to read his article, but they uh, they did admit to manipulating the OSS that NASCAR has at past weekend in Kentucky. If I'm thinking right, I think uh, Noble said it was like 14 cars that Jerry Jordan picked out where they had changed colors, maybe around some of the fender wells, around the bumpers. With it being a light-colored car, they go through and get that low density, and they put some dark stuff where they won't get the high density. Have you heard anything on that, Stephen? And is that correct coming out, that's what I've, what I've heard? So, I mean, there's a, this is definitely a topic for discussion on the new OSS system and the way that it works. If I remember correctly, um, there's something like 10,000 points on the car that the OSS system can, can, huh? Data points, you're right. Data points, you're right. So there's about... Yeah, so there's about 10,000 of those on the car, and what's occurring is is that they found a way to manipulate the system, in the, or at least tricking the system into thinking that the car is, you know, of lighter color in some areas, but darker colors in others, and this way it tricks the system into um, <clears throat> into running the lower resolution. Uh, it scans of these cars and uh, around the bumper areas and some of the other places that teams in the past that we've seen them manipulate, um, it's it's missing those because it thinks, you know, the the differentiating in the color. So um, it doesn't use the high resolution. So, you know, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I did go out there and I read some of it, skimmed it through and, Cole Pern, you know, he was one of the ones that actually talked on, you know, on, on the record saying that, you know, they run a darker car, so it wouldn't matter to them because they, you know, they get the higher resolution because of whatever he said, about two-thirds, 80% or something of their cars that they run are, you know, dark in color. So they're always going to get the higher resolution, and there's no way to trick from their side. But, uh, you know, I think he said that, you know, there's – a potential others are doing it, but he didn't really go into, I don't remember great length or detail. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, with uh, Cole Pern agreeing for Jerry Jordan to, to use his name, you know he ain't, he, 
he ain't going to tell. He ain't going to lie because, you know, that's a – that like you said, that is a that's a big deal there. And listeners, to sort of let everybody know what Stephen's talking about, tricking the system, that low density and high density laser stuff with them ten thousand or some odd data points that this OSS system checks on a uh, cup car, Xfinity car, what have you. If you don't, if you had never seen it work, if you go to the track, you're not going to see it work because it's it's closed curtains, four curtains all the way around. Stephen, like I and Suzanne and I went to it went to Atlanta. For the foes of honor quit you at 500 that's the first time that i had seen it and they i think i text you a picture they got these bit like white uh circles that they stick on the windshields and i don't i don't know exactly what that checks there but to go back to my point what i was trying to get at go to uh, everybody listen go to you can go to youtube and go to the go to the nascar channel and they started doing live live inspections of some of these cars at these tracks, Stephen, am I am I right? And you could actually see the, the laser shooting around the car and what all it does, you know. I couldn't tell you what it does. Yeah, in the last couple of weeks they've run a live cam feed from inside of that tent where the, the OSS system is is being performed. Yeah, that's right. Stephen, let's take a little quick break if you want to before we come up here on the bottom hour. We don't really get to take many, many breaks, but tonight we're chocolate agreeing to come on a little bit later. Uh, he's going to come on at the bottom of the hour. So let's take a little quick break, and we will be right back live from Talladega, Alabama. I'm Tim the Spain alongside SpeedwayDigest.com with Mr. Stephen, Stephen Wilson.
This is Spencer Boyd, driver of the number 76 Grunt Style Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party of NASCAR returns October 12th through 14th. We're back live from Dega Nation. I'm Tim Spain alongside of SpeedwayDigest.com. Mr. Stephen Wilson coming up here shortly. We've got uh, got our good friend Chuck Myers going to come on. I know we've got a ton of questions for, for him. I, I hope he can hope he can stay on a little while, Stephen, because I know I want to ask him about the, the OSS deal there that uh, Jerry Jordan put out. And I want to also – I want to go back in time. You know, he always says back in the day, but I'm not going to use his statement back in the day. I want to ask him just how much Talladega Super Speedway meant to him, Richard Childress, the Earnhardt family. You know, Dale, Dale Senior and Dale Junior, they own this place here at Talladega, Stephen. I, I I couldn't even start to see how many wins that they that they had here. But I know Dale Senior had his final win here at Talladega that that fall in October before he tragically lost his life down there at Daytona International Speedway, and that was a real sad deal. But uh, the Earnhardts mean mean a lot to Talladega Super Speedway, don't they, Stu? Yeah, think about uh, if you think all the way back to the drivers' uh, council type union years ago that uh, you know tried to form up and. Richard Childress, you know, he he entered one of these events, you know, in the absence of a lot of people, other drivers during that time. So he has a long storied history, <clears throat> excuse me, that goes, um, you know, all the way back many many years. Uh, he's not only driven the track, but he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's he's been the the owner of multiple different winners over the years that at some of these tracks and by all means he was probably the most dominant Chevrolet team uh coming through in the seventies, eighties and probably early nineties. Um arguably so with uh, the you know the the list of drivers that he's had under his belt and not only just Dale Senior, but he's had many others under his belt. Ricky Rudd drove for him uh years ago and others have driven for him. So, you know, I'm you know, Austin Dillon and, um, you know, Ryan Newman are over there now. But, uh, you know, he, that, that team just has a really storied history and how far they go back and how deep they are in the sport and some of the things that they've done in the sport over the years. That's right, Stephen. You know, like you mentioned, Richard, he's he's been around. He's He's come up from where he didn't have uh, – excuse my French – when he started – he didn't have a pot to piss in, and that is one man that worked his way up through the sport. And like you mentioned, had all of these superstar drivers, especially seven-time Winston Cup Series—I can't tell you when—seven-time Monster Energy Cup Series champion Dale Senior. And you know he's he's had drivers like Steve Park. There's been so many that has come through the RCR stable. You know, like you mentioned, he's got Ryan Newman right now. Ryan Newman's sort of like a uh, Sort of like a veteran, I guess you would say, to RCR. He's a he's sort of like a teacher, maybe a principal or something like that. Which I, I might not like to use principal there because that's what they call Jeff Burton. Jeff Burton's nickname is a uh, is principal. But Richard has done a lot for the sport, Stephen, and he's brought he brought his grandkids in. They're doing really really well. And that 1998 Daytona 500 victory, there's something about it. I don't know what it was, 
when he was calling him to the line. And after Dale Sr. won that 1998 Daytona 500, every NASCAR team down on pit road come out to shake his hand. And I remember Mike Joy saying, 20 years of trying, 20 years. And I still remember seeing Chocolate Myers. I could see him watching that on CBS. Chocolate's just sitting, I mean, he's, you know, he's, Chocolate ain't no little man out there. Chocolate's a big old bear. And he, I mean, Chocolate was just about, he was about to just spill it out. He's about to spill it out. But mention of Chocolate, let's bring on uh, Richard Hurtis Racing uh, and co-host of Trading Paint on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90. Let's bring Mr. Chocolate Myers into the pit stop with Tim Spain and Stephen Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Doc, how you doing this evening, my friend? I'm good, boys. How's everybody doing? We're doing good down here in Dagger, brother. Doing good. What did uh, Is it hot? What did, oh, yeah. You know how it is down here in Dagger, Chuck. It is hot. <laughs> What'd you eat for supper? What Miss Karen cookies? Dude, I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, so we're here in, in, the, in the barbecue capital of the world, Lexington, North Carolina, right? So... Uh, this afternoon, I had to go to the next town down below us, Salisbury, North Carolina. It's pretty close to a Charlotte Motor Speedway, about, I don't know, 30 minutes up the road from Charlotte. And there's a place there called the uh, called the Smoke Pit. Now, in Lexington, I have to get that barbecued pork, but there at the Smoke Pit, they got that that brisket. And, and I got an order of burn-ins to bring home, and I, I'll be honest with you. I had way too much. It was just pretty f- uh, fantastic. So uh, that's what we had. Uh, we had a little brisket and um, some Cajun uh, smoked turkey. How- how's that? That sounds good, Chuck. And, again, I want to thank you for taking time out to call in the pit stop with Tennis Spanish, Stephen Wilson. Uh, and let our listeners know the number to call in is 215-383-3681. I'm Tim Spain. The way the crow flies about eight miles south of this 2.66-mile monster we call Tadu Super Speedway. And Chuck, again, thank thank you very much. I got a couple of questions. I know your your uh, time is limited, but I want to talk a little bit about uh, you, Richard Childress Racing, Dale Senior, and well, actually Dale Junior. Also, the dominance here at my home track at Talladega Super Speedway. What I mean, it it's like it was called. It should have been called Talladega Earnhardt because the Earnhardts owned this place, brother. And I'm pretty sure you've had some awesome times here. Well, I got to tell you, the first time I ever got to go to Victory Lane with Dale was there in 1984. Uh, we won, you know, that that's the year that Dale came back to to Richard Childress Racing. You know, he had been here for part of a year, then, then he left for a couple of years, and we had a Ricky Rudd in the car. Then 1984, uh, Dale came back to Richard Childress Racing, and uh, that race, 1984, there at Talladega, Dale won that race. And and for the longest time, I mean, it was one of the most exciting races that, that anybody had ever seen. Uh, we come across and got the white flag there and was way behind. Uh, Terry Labonte was leading the race at the Piedmont Airlines car at the time. And, and look, we didn't have any, any way to know where we were at on the racetrack. We didn't have TVs or anything else, and we just kind of 
stood there till they came back around, and, and when they got back in sight, Dale had about a 10 or 15 car link lead on the field, and uh, so that's the first race there at Talladega uh, that I was a part of a, a victory lane celebration with Dale Earnhardt. Had many more after that, but that was the first one. And, Chuck, you bring up a real good point back in the 80s. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned to you, I used to work for Enix Daily uh, here at Talladega Super Speedway. I, I, we would all check out a high school, get it set up in the 76 balls. But you bring up a good point that I want to bring up also that you and Jim talk about. Talk about some of y'all's listeners in college that talk about the heat. They don't want to go to the racetrack because it was hot. Could you tell them just how hot it was here? It, it was hot here in July for the Talladega <laughs> It's, it's about as hot as I've ever been in my life to, to come down there. And and it wasn't too bad to start with because we, we, we were kind of used to it. And, heck, the only thing we wore on race day was, like, blue jeans and a and a shirt, you know. And, and later on when we started having to wear the fire suit and, and, and all the safety equipment, it got a lot hotter. But, yeah, uh, it was a hot place. But, look, you know, it, it, and what we, we were talking about is just society in general. I mean, we, we've – uh, we've been all been pretty blessed, I think. We we nobody has a car today that don't have an air condition. Nobody lives in a home that don't have air condition. Schools have got air, and 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 work's got air, most of them. And and then for the you know for for us uh, that live in air condition all the time <laughs> to go sit in the grandstands, that, that's a that's a hot day. And uh, you know we we're not used to it like we used to be. I don't think. You're right, Chuck. And for the for the record, just to sort of throw off here, uh, I didn't have air conditioning when I was in high school, and I know you didn't either. But I'm a I'm a lineman here at the local. I'm a lineman here at the local electric co-op, Coosa Valley Electric. We have to wear rubber gloves and rubber sleeves, and it just makes it just as hot as a as a gas can man with a helmet on, a fire suit, driver, and all that. <laughs> anyway, Chuck. <laughs> anyway, um. I want to talk a little bit about, if I can, before we hand you over to uh, to uh, Stephen, uh, the tire gun. We have not heard anything about the tire gun lately. You know, when NASCAR yep. implemented, they were going to mandate, they were going to issue everybody's tire gun. And, you yep. know, there were some teams complaining about this and that and this and that and it locking up and locking up. And I hadn't heard anything else about that. Have you? Well, I can help you out a little bit. And, look, I think it's a good deal. Uh, I'm glad that NASCAR stepped in and did it because if it comes down to the end of the day, what do you want to see? The, the man that's got the best race car or the man that's got the fastest pit gun? You know, and, and look, some of those race teams out there were spending millions of dollars uh, that could, that, that had it, to build a good pit gun or a better pit gun. Now, when, when at the beginning of the year when man, NASCAR mandated we all use the same guns, right? And 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 some of the teams didn't want to do that, so they were they were already trying to to you know find any excuse and every excuse not. And then they had some failure. Then they found out that the guys that were having the failures were guys that were doing something else that they weren't supposed to do because uh, those those guns are designed to run on nitrogen. That that's the gas that we use that that uh, are compressed gas is nitrogen. And I think some of the other guys, some of the guys had found out some some gases that would make the gun spin a little bit faster. I definitely agree. And uh Doc, my final question before you hand you over to uh to uh, Stephen, I want to get a little bit about the behind the scenes of trading paint there at Sirius XM NASCAR yeah. Radio Channel Nine. You know, you're the co host there with Jim 
with Jim Noble. And from what I understand, y'all have monitors. You know, you're at the Richard Childress Racing Museum. There, you you got a monitor. You can actually see Jim, and he can actually see you. Just sort of let us know a little bit about the behind the scenes of how everything works, if you can, Chuck. Well, it's a tool that we all use, no matter what show we're on. If we need to uh, uh, be able to see who we're working with, we just use Skype. It's pretty simple. I mean, anybody can do it. But uh, you know, we we produce our show in Washington D.C. So we've got uh, on our show, we've got Sammy and Donnie. Uh, they're back in Washington D.C. Jim uh, will be at his home in Charlotte, North Carolina. My my studio is at the Richard Childress Racing Museum. Uh, and we've got a program, so we can kind of see who's calling in. But we all just see each other. We use it as a tool. Uh, we use it so we don't uh, we don't talk over each other as much. We we still do, uh, but it works really good. It's a, it's just a tool that we have. It, it it's pretty daggone cool. You know, the when, when you guys call the show, the one eight six six Pit Lane, uh, we answer that phone, or the guys do in Washington D.C. and they put you on the board, and we see the board. We we see who's calling and where you guys are from, and then we can answer the phone. So that that's the way it works. That's behind the scenes, and you know it's it's really it's the technology is a wonderful thing. It's led us a, a lot of things that that we were not able to do in the past. But yeah, we we enjoy doing it. You know, we we there every day, eleven till three, and and just love for the folks to call in, and then we try to entertain you, and 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 just like we're doing right now, kind of give you a little bit behind the scenes of what's going on, and. Uh, I think the more you know, the better off the, the the better off the sport is for it, right? Exactly, Chuck. And you and Jim, y'all do a great job. And I said that was my final question, but I got one more. Suzanne and yep. I are coming to come to Darlington for the throwback weekend, and Stephen and his wife right. Amarie are coming. Uh, can you let out what you and Karen's gonna? Are y'all gonna dress up again like y'all normally do, or are you gonna wait and let all that out and see? Man, I don't know. You know, we we really, we've had a, such a good time doing that. Uh, you know, the first year uh, I went, and I just had an old, old uniform, and, and Karen had a uh, she had an old NASCAR outfit on. Uh, she was uh, uh, she had her white boots and her and her in her little hot pants. So she went as a Miss Winston from back in the day. Uh, last year I went as <laughs> I think last year is the year that I went as a big time race promoter. Uh, I had my I had my white pants. I had my I had my striped shirt on. I had my little hat with my NASCAR insignia on it. And I was passing out hundred dollar bills, fake of course, and smoking my cigar. So I was a race promoter. I don't know. We uh, we oh last year I went as Dick Brooks by the way, uh, which was the best one I've done because I don't know if many of you remember Dick or not, but Dick you know I drove for quite a while. Won a race there in Talladega. And then went on to be a part of MRN, and uh, Dick was famous for wearing those bib overalls, so uh, uh, they're pretty comfortable. So I wore my bib overalls to Charlotte last year, and uh, I mean to uh, Darlington last year. I don't know what we're going to do this year. We we may think of something. I, I don't know. I've got a couple of ideas that uh, we make that out and have a little fun. That sounds good, brother. And I got a couple of ideas too. I'll let. Uh... Suzanne message Karen or text her, and we might, because Steve, Steven said he wasn't going to do what I want to do, but maybe we can all get together. And it's, it's got something to do with a fedora and a hat, just to let you know, Chuck. Yeah, well, man, that's good. Well, you, you know, have fun, whatever it is. That's what we try to do. 
Amen, Chuck. And again, thank you very much for taking time to call in. Tell Miss Karen I said hello, and I'm going to hand you over to Steve Wilson's BlueWayDigest.com. Again, thanks, Chuck. All right, bud. Thanks. I appreciate you taking the time to come on here. Sorry my voice is uh, cracking up a little bit, uh, but I want to kind of switch gears on this. Earlier, Tony Stewart, he, he, he said that he feels that his track is ready for an Xfinity Series event or you know, maybe even something bigger like the the uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series. And, you know, he was implying that, you know, the fans really need to start putting the pressure on NASCAR to kind of change their way. I know that, the you know, we've got a track agreement coming through until 2020. And, you know, a lot of this stuff will probably be up and is already in negotiations going forward. But, you know, is it time for NASCAR to, to come back and look at some of these tracks? I mean, you're you're right outside of Winston-Salem. Uh, you've had a long history with the Bowman Gray Stadium out there. And every single weekend they pack the stands. So is it time that NASCAR looks, not necessarily staying at Tony Stewart's track or Bowman Gray, but start looking outside of the box to draw more fan interest into the sport? Well, look, I... I'm all for different things, right? Because uh, we've been doing this for a long time, and, and we see when we change it up, uh, there's a lot of interest. You know, when Tony Stewart decided to race at Eldora, uh, it was a tremendous amount of interest. It still is, uh, but it's not as much today as it was when they started it six years ago. That, that, that's just natural. Uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, going to run the Roval there. I'm really excited about that. I think that's a, a, a great move. Uh, and, and, and I don't know what's We'll see in the future, but I'm all for some racetracks changing some things up and, and doing things a little bit different. But you know, the the one thing that that a lot of people forget about, and and, and uh, it, it, it's kind of it's easy to forget because there was a time that that if you wanted to go to if you wanted to see the race, right, and 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 you had your favorite driver, the only way you're going to see that race was go to that race, and 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 so yeah. Uh, they had a lot of people going to the racetrack because that's the only way they were going to see it. And now, when you're sitting at home and you got a 70-inch screen in, in, in front of you and, and you got TV that does such a great job, it, it's, it, it amazes me just how good the show is when, when we're at home on TV. Now, that being said, uh, there's two different things to do here. A lot of people go to the racetrack. They enjoy going to the racetrack because there's so many other things to do. A lot of people like to watch it on TV, uh, but there's more people watching the sport today than, than, than there was a long time ago. You know, we, we got millions of people that tune in every week when we have a race. Now, you, you, you talked about the people in the stands. I think TV's taken some of the people out of the stands, right? I think that society and, and the other things that we've got, look, we, we, you can watch the race on your cell phone. You know, you don't, you don't need to be there. But but I do think that, that the one thing that I love is the excitement and drama, you know. Uh, the, a couple of weeks ago, we had Daytona. Uh, we had uh, uh, Chicago. Both of those races were really, really exciting. I actually enjoyed the race this week in Kentucky. I thought it was pretty good, even though Martin Truex, you know, went out there and did everything he could to, to lead every lap. Uh, but but I, was, I was waiting to see what was going to happen, and nothing ever did happen. I was waiting on that last caution to come out, but um, my point being is, I, I think that I, I think that racing is as good as it's ever been, if not better. 
but I do think in the future we're going to see some uh, things change, uh, like Eldora, like uh, you know uh, the Broville at Charlotte, and who else? Who else is going to step up and do something? I don't know the answer to that. And one of the things that <clears throat> over the last, I guess you know, year or so, we've heard a lot about these cars and just the arrow pushes on these cars. NASCAR is going out there to try and make as many different changes to these cars and many different packages and many different formats to, to try and close these cars back up. So, you know, they, there's a lot of people that, sure, they, they like the race at, at Kentucky, but then you're going to have the other, you know, 50% or so that says, you know, hey, these, they, these cars just weren't close enough. Somebody went out there and did well, what Mark Truex does. He goes out there to these mile-and-a-half racetracks, and that team just has found the natural – ability to to run these events and win these events but you know that that kind of comes into the conundrum of do you do do fans at home and the fans in the stand always want to continue seeing well now we've got three big ones between martin truex kyle bush and you know kevin harvick out there but we really don't see a whole lot of competition from you know from some perspectives so is it time you think the cars, we've tried different formats, we've tried the, the restricted plate there in the all-star race. The time to change and begin a new car, a new generation of car, try and bunch these cars back up closer together. Well, I'll, I'll give you an opinion here that a lot of people don't like, and, and but, but I'm going to just be honest with you. Racing today is better than it's ever been. The cars are closer today than they've ever been. Uh, the competition better than it's ever been. You know, it, it, because here's what I invite anybody to do. Go go pick that – go to racingreference.info and go back there and grab you some of those old races from back in the day, the ones that you thought were so great and the ones that everybody talks about. And you're going to find out that, that a lot of those races, the guy that won that race, he wasn't a few seconds ahead. He was a lot of seconds or a lot of laps ahead. And, and, and you only had a few cars on the lead lap. So, I, I, look, the, the, the only thing that we've got going today that, that and, and I think about this a lot, we're just too daggone smart. And, and, and what I mean by that is we have figured out how to make these cars perfect. We, we've done a great job with that. We, 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 we've, we've made the bulletproof. They don't break anymore. We make the cars handle better than they've ever handled before. And you mentioned Kyle Busch and, and, and Kevin Harvick, Mark Truex, the three guys uh, that have been going out there and, and just kicking butt and taking names. Is that any different than Petty, Pearson, and Allison? I don't think so. I, I think it's always been kind of like it is today. But today it's better because the, the field is a lot deeper. You know, some of those races from back in the day, you only had five guys that even had a chance got a lot more than that that have a chance today and i know that we're in kind of an unusual year with with, with you know what the big three that we call them uh, that are going out there and winning every week i, I don't have a problem with it and I, I think like i said i think the uh i think the race is pretty darn good drivers today are much different than drivers 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. Um, social media has impacted the way that, that fans interact, not only with the drivers, but the teams and the sport in general. But in some respects, when you have guys leaving out, we, we've seen Stewart leave, we've seen Gordon leave, 
Dale Jr.'s now in the booth. Um, Kenseth has been in and out of the car all year after, you know, being, uh, you know, ousted over at um, Joe Gibbs Racing. But as the new generation of drivers start coming up, the story sometimes isn't always told and the connection isn't always there. Everybody knew that, you know, they could connect somehow to Dale Sr. They could connect to the Bill Elliott's of the world. Um, they were these down-home guys that, you know, you were blue-collar. They knew that they were blue-collar. But today, some of that has changed a little bit with the proliferation of the social media. When do you think that, you know, not only drivers, but teams and the social media specialists and the PR reps that are that are in the sport today can change to make sure that the story continues to be told from the time these drivers come into the sport to the time they make it big in Cup Series racing? Well, you know, that's, that's a pretty big question. But I'll, I'll say this. I don't think it's a lot of difference today than it's ever been. Uh, look, uh, I, I'll tell you the one thing that's changed it, I, and I think I think this is the one thing that that, that people don't realize. And 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 I go back and talk about Dale Earnhardt. Dale Earnhardt was a guy that was from a little mill hill town uh, down here in Kannapolis, North Carolina. Uh, that when Dale started racing and doing good, and when the TV camera was in his face, he didn't know what to say, didn't know how to act because he had never been able to watch racing on TV, right? He had to go educate himself. He had to get a little smarter. He had to figure it out. Now, later in his career, uh, they'd put the camera in front of Dale, and Dale could tell the story and do a pretty good job. It wasn't always like that. But what I'm talking about is the guys that are out there today, there's nobody racing today that didn't watch racing on TV for a long time before they started racing. And they figured out what to say and, and what to do and how to act, right? And, and, and I think that changed a lot of it. But, but you know, I, one of the things that, that, that surprises me, that some of the people think that these guys today aren't as tough as the guys back in the day. They are. They, they are. I'm just telling you right now, you, you want a story, there's plenty of stories out there. Kevin Harvick's story is a good story. Uh, how about, how about, how about uh, Ricky Stenhouse? Ricky Stenhouse a Mississippi guy, grew up racing the hard way, racing the dirt tracks and, and the sprint cars. And that story goes on and on. Kyle Larson, I mean, we, got, we have got so many great stories out there today uh, that, that's just unbelievable. You just got to, you know, you just got to look around a little bit. And you can find those good stories. And, you know, I, I think we, look, society has changed. Everything has changed. Uh, and we got to accept that. But, I think that the, the cast of characters we've got today are as good as they've ever been. Different. Uh, you're not going to have another Dale Earnhardt or a Tony Stewart or a Jeff Gordon. You know, those guys are gone. You're not going to have another Richard Petty or, or Pearson, any of those guys. But these other ones that are coming in here, they're, they're, they're not going to fill their shoes, but they're going to have their own set of shoes, and they're going to they're gonna do their own thing. I think we just got to give them time and, and, and give them a chance. Uh, you know, one day, that, that if they can stick around here like those other guys did, they will be great. My last question for you is, uh, Gray Stadium, what do you feel yeah. resonates most with the fans out there that every week they pack these, these stands in to watch these modified drivers go at it? Well, uh, I'll give you my opinion. And uh, I've been going over there, well, <laughs> since – 
and, and I kind of laugh about this, and I tell people, been going over there since before I was born. And, and, and what I mean with that, I'm sure my mother was sitting over there in the stands pregnant with me uh, when that place opened up. But, but I, I've thought about it a lot, and, and, and for everybody out there that don't know, Bowman Gray Stadium, the longest-running weekly series uh, race on, on NASCAR, in NASCAR history. Quarter-mile racetrack in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So a couple of things that, that makes it really good. Number one, it's in a really good place. It's in a really good place. Easy to get to, you know, clean. I, I went by the other day and just looked, and, 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 and the ticket prices are very, very reasonable. I think like 10 bucks or something like that for an adult, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but but here's, the, here's the part that a lot of people don't like to hear, but, but I'll tell it. I don't think it's the best racing in the world. I really don't. But I think it's the best drama in the world. And, and, and the reason they have good drama is because they have a flat quarter-mile racetrack. It's not banked. It don't have three groups. They can't do this and they can't do that. It's only got one groove. It's only got one groove around the, around the inside of, of, of the turns. And if you're going to pass somebody at Bowman Gray Stadium, you're going to have to do something to get around them. You're going to have to move them out of the way. You're going to have to put a bumper to them. You're going to have to do something. And when that happens, that, that, that gets people excited. Some of them are excited mad. Some of them are excited happy. But, but that is the drama that I'm talking about, and, and it, it's always been there. It always will be there, and uh, I absolutely love it. So uh, it's, it, it is what it is. And and some people that if you're a true racing fan and, and you like to see them running three wide and and and, and passing in the corners, you're probably not going to see that in Bowman Gray Stadium. But if you like to see excitement and drama, that's the place I recommend you go. Chocolate, I appreciate you taking the time to come on here tonight. Before we uh, let you go out of here, let everybody know where they can follow you out on social media, which you guys got coming up on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio throughout the rest of the week, and I appreciate it, and we'll talk to you later. All right, brother. Yeah, you can catch us on SiriusXM NASCAR Radio and, and uh, Chocolate Myers 3 on Twitter, and we have a good time. My wife and I enjoy hearing from you guys on, on Facebook as well. So give us a call, uh, check us out, and listen to us on Sirius. Thanks a lot, Chocolate. You take care. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, Chuck. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Bye. All right, brother. Chocolate Myers there from Mr. Shooters Racing, also uh, Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. Stephen, he has a really good insight. I mean, he's he's pretty swift on questions. He 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 honestly reminds me of a uh, of a gas can man driver, like uh, you know maybe getting into the media side of it, like he did with Sirius XM and trading paint and he's like you mentioned earlier in a question that you had asked him the blue collar workers with nascar and i'm i'm pretty sure chocolate associates itself with the blue collar side of it but he hadn't forgot chocolate has not forgot where he come either steven and he is he's in a good spot he uh manages the rcr museum up there and welcome North Carolina, and also he does, like I mentioned two or three times, like you have too, with uh, Jim Noble, he co-hosts uh, 
trading trading paint there on Sirius XM, Sirius XM NASCAR Channel 90. But he has a real good insight, a down-to-earth type person, Stephen, like some of you and I and some of our listeners won't, want to hear about the sport of NASCAR. Yeah, that's kind of why I asked a wide range of questions there. Some of them are, you know, borderline controversial today in the way that we, you know, try and see the sport through some type of different prism than we did 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago. Um, you know, so, sometimes you have to have that grounded approach and that grounded aspect that you've seen the sport mature over so many number of years. And sure, I think the passion is out there for a lot of these fans that may, you know, question, you know, NASCAR and say, you know, hey, we only got three guys winning this week. Um, can we do something about it? And, you know, NASCAR today is more quick to respond to, na- to fans than they were um, five or even ten years ago. And, it's not just the, the proliferation of social media and some of the other topics that we hit on, but it's for, you know, NASCAR is trying to better the sport. Um, you know, do they make mistakes? Yeah, everybody makes mistakes. Do they get things right? Yes, they get things right. Are there some things that they can improve upon? Absolutely. You know, but, you know, that's that's the sport in general, and that's anything that you do. But I think NASCAR today is more quick to respond to some of these things that they're seeing. Um, in the past, they've been very reactionary, you know, to to something or an event or something like that. Today, I think they take a more tempered approach to that, where they try and, you know, uh, not only react to things that are happening in the sport, but look to the future and see what they can improve upon at the same time. And you know, we call they have missteps just like everybody else. They're just they're just human beings running a sport and running a business at the same time. And I think with, uh, you know, respect to, to them and chocolate that's been in the sport for a long time, um, you know, sometimes there's that prism glass that comes out, those rose-colored glasses, and you say, oh, I wish it was like it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, 30 years ago, and then we get reminded that 30 years ago, Petty won by four laps at some race, and nobody else had a chance, or, you know, 25 years ago, you know, 38 cars wrecked out of a race, and there's two cars running around the track, where today we've got more cars running around these tracks. We've got more drivers that have the ability to win races. Sure, the story is this year, Kyle Busch, Kyle, uh, Kyle Busch uh, Martin Truex Jr., Kevin Harvick, because they've dominated all the, the events this year. Um, but, you know, he, he's right to some degree that Petty used to do this all the time. Petty would win as many as 25 or 30 races in a year, but then again, he would run 50 or 60 or 70 races a year. Um, and these drivers don't. Uh, Pearson would win by two laps at places. Um, Darlington, for example, uh, a very hard place to run. So, you know, he, he's writing a lot of these things that, you know, racing is better today. And uh, the drivers are different today and the sport's different today. And everybody makes mistakes, but everybody's trying to make it better at the same time. That's right, Stephen. And, you know, like you mentioned, you posed the questionnaire to to uh, Chuck about uh, about the big three. That's what everybody's talking about now. All your media members talk about the big three. Uh, Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., and Kevin Harvick. And with that, with that being said, when you ask him that question, I mean, I never really thought about it, Tim. I mean, you know, I pr- probably should have thought, you know, back in the day. Well, I don't want to use back in the day because that's 
That's chocolate. Back in the 80s when I was coming up through the sport working for Mr. Enix Daily here at Talbot Super Speedway, which owned North Booksboro, just right out, right, just right close to uh, to you and AEM there. And you do a lot there to try to promote and get North Wilkesboro back. And I didn't realize, like uh, Chalk had uh, said, you know, Bill Elliott and, and, you know, some of them guys here at Talladega Super Speedway, I think Bill was maybe one or two laps down, you know, when he turned that fastest qualified speed here at uh, Dega that will probably never be promoted is 212.8-something-something mile an hour uh, for a uh, – for a qualifying session here at my home track, Talladega Super Speedway, I did not realize, like Chocolate had said, there back at back then there were so many cars. Like you said, Richard Richard Petty might be two or three laps ahead, or like Chocolate said, thirty or forty seconds behind. And we liked that racing. Stephen, what is our mindset now? What changed us to now, where you don't have that? two lap lead or that one minute lead or what have you for say there on a racetrack which back then we didn't have the stage racing I'm just sort of fishing Steve and I'm sort of trying to answer myself and sort of getting an idea from you he made a good point Steve um, I think it's a combination of things you take a look 30 years ago or something like that, and, you know, the Petty, obviously, were, you know, a dominant force in, in NASCAR, and it was others coming up, Richard Childress Racing, that was on their way to their rise. It was, you know, Hendrick and things like that, and, you know, these, these teams, there was the haves and the have-nots back then, too. You know, a lot, of, a lot has changed. These cars have changed. The, the drivers have changed. Um, you know, these drivers, they, they were athletes in their own right Rude. back then. But, you know, they're even, they're, they're, they're even more today than probably ever in the history of the sport. Um, Chocolate kind of went through some of the things with these cars now. Um, you know, he, he's right. In some aspects, they're, they're bulletproof. We're not seeing the parts failures like we would years ago. We, we see cars that are running 600 miles and, you know, in, 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 a, in, a, uh, in a race or, you know, they're, they're running these um, 100 miles in, in practice and all the things that have changed over the years, I think it's just closed up that competition to where um, it's so close even though there's the haves and the have-nots, I mean, sure, you still have teams that are running one, two, three laps down, but when two-thirds of the field is on the lead lap within 20 seconds of one another, you probably wouldn't have seen that in the 70s. Um, you may have seen five or eight or ten um, sitting there, uh, you know, three-quarters of the way to the race on our lead lap. By the end of the race, you may only have a handful of them, and, you know, the, the half, the other half of the field, they've either you know, had a parts failure or an incident on the track or, you know, been lapped by, you know, the few remaining people on the lead lap. So, you know, I, I think all these things that NASCAR has improved upon over the years has closed this competition up. And uh, one of the things I think that, you know, teams want to see, I mean, fans want to see emotions. Uh, that's why I kind of touched on Bowling Gray Stadium because he's right. The emotion and the drama level there is probably most unprecedented to any other track. 
sure we get a lot of drama, a lot of uh, emotions at tracks like Darlington, for example, or Bristol or Richmond or, um, you know, Martinsville, things like that, these these bull rings that, you know, they run around, these tough old tracks that they run around. Um, and, and fans, that resonates with fans. And to some degree, they may not see the emotions at these tracks. And Chicago with, with the, uh, you know, Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush, uh, you know, they, they, they kind of, res- that resonates with fans. And when fans don't see that, sometimes they tune out. Sometimes they, they're they're not seeing, you know, the, the the promotional aspect of the sport and how the competition level is because there's no level of drama. There's no level of emotion. And you know, sometimes if a you know a Martin Truex Jr. goes through and you know leads two thirds of a race, all the stages and wins the race, and there's not a whole lot of drama that goes on in the middle of it, then some of that is lost to the fans, and I think that, you know, that that's where we kind of hurt sometimes. That's right, Stephen. And the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series coming up tomorrow night. They're at Eldora Speedway for the sixth annual Eldora Dirt Derby 150. And I think they have a couple of practice sessions going on as of right now. Uh, we've not got uh, any PRs from NASCAR as of yet. But just to sort of talk about, Stephen, uh, We've got some we've got some new kids on the block if you if you want to call it that we've got uh, uh, Ray Otto Jr. is going to be driving the number ninety seven there for JJ Motor JJL Motorsports and uh, NASCAR Camp World Truck Series and there's a, there's a few different faces Chase Briscoe is going to drop down and drive a uh, truck there at Eldor on the dirt at Tony Stewart's track there I mean and I think you posed the question to Chocolate. Is it time to maybe expand your race, cup race on the dirt? I don't think so, Stephen. I think if you do, if NASCAR does something outside of Eldor or is a NASCAR Xfinity Series race or a NASCAR or a Monster Engine NASCAR Cup Series race on dirt, I think we need to leave it like it is. Uh, you know, Tony Stewart bought that track there. Is you can't get a lot of people in it. But in my perspective, if you do something different, if you try to add to that, Stephen, will that take away from the iconic dirt track there at Eldora where the NASCAR Camper Royal Truck Series is racing now? Do you think we need to just leave that as the icon track, the icon race? Or should we add maybe a expandy or cup at another dirt track or that dirt track? I don't think so, Stephen. My honest opinion, I think Tony Stewart there at uh, Eldora and NASCAR needs to leave just the trucks on dirt for right now and maybe think about something later. What do you think, bud? Yeah, I think you're right. You have to leave this race alone. It's kind of its own special entity out there and its own special event. It's a lot of marketing, a lot of promotion throughout the sport. It generates a lot of excitement. Uh, you know, a common complaint always is that the truck series and Xfinity series run too much with, you know, the cup series. There's too many of these campaign races with them. Um, and, and that generates a lot of, you know, obviously, you know, the cup drivers are driving this and the cup drivers are winning that, for example. But this gives the ability of being its own separate um, 
event, something that's special, something that's marquee. Uh, and I think that for to add upon it, to change it, um, I'm sure Tony Stewart really would like to have one of these events there. And he's a he's a promoter. I mean, and that's his job. His job. He's the owner. He's the promoter. He. He wants this track to have as many events out there as possible, and you can't fault him for that. However, I just don't think you know at this time we're we we need to to move more events in there on the NASCAR level. I think he what he does out there I think is pretty special, and kind of just leave it alone for now, and then maybe in the future, um, you know, if possible, maybe do something somewhere else. But you know, leave this to its own uh, kind of uh, it, it, it's it's its own special event for now. Amen, brother. And with that being said, uh, we're coming up here shortly. Here we're going to end the show, Stephen. But uh, before we uh, discuss anything else, I want to thank uh, Chuck Myers from Richard Childress Racing to, for coming on the show tonight, and giving his perspective, and also him being from uh that serious XM NASCAR channel ninety. But Stephen, like I, you know, like me and you like you and I were just talking about, we're going to Eldor. And there's a couple of practice sessions going on right now and I don't have the info. I know you don't either. Waiting on that PR from uh from NASCAR, but trucks will be in Eldor tomorrow night. And I think it's a good thing that they're not on pay per view. You could actually watch it on T V. But uh and the uh Cup series uh, and that's right, Spencer. They're going to be in New Hampshire this weekend. So, uh, do you have the time and schedule, Stephen, that you can let everybody know where everything's coming on? Because I don't, and I always put you on the spot on that, brother. My bad. <laughs> well, there's a lot of stuff going on tomorrow. Well, tonight, um, there's going to be another practice from about 9 to 9.55 or something like that at Eldora, but not that it's being televised. The uh, tomorrow night, um, they're they to qualify four thirty-five, and the single vehicle two laps for them. There's five heat races starting at seven o'clock, ten laps apiece. The top two in each of these will move on to the main event. There's a last chance qualifier race about eight fifteen fifteen laps for them. Uh, you got a couple of trucks coming out of that. And uh, at 9 o'clock, 150 laps, it's going to be broken into three stages of 40, 50, and 60 um, laps there for 75 miles total out of the door tomorrow night. Um, moving on to New Hampshire, uh, Friday, we're going to kick some stuff off, a bunch of, uh, bunch of qualifying and bringing NASCAR camp. I've been searching NASCAR came in. Uh, Pro Series East, they're going to be out there. 4:45 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series qualifying, and uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, geez, there's a lot of stuff going on on Saturday. Saturday, 11:05 oh, yeah. NASCAR Xfinity Series qualifying. <laughs> and let's see. Oh, NASCAR. When is NASCAR Xfinity Series running? Oh, wow. Uh, oh, they're at four o'clock. Wow, they're late in the day. Four o'clock. 200 laps. 211 miles for. The NASCAR Xfinity Series, and on uh, Sunday, um, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series race from New Hampshire, um, 301 laps and 318.46 miles is going to make the distance for them on Sunday. So a ton of stuff going on this week. Uh, 
just way too much to, to even try and go through with uh, three different races and all the different qualifying uh, measures and uh, that they're going to go through, um, heat races, things like that tomorrow night. So a ton of stuff going on. Um, a lot of this is going to be on uh, – everything tomorrow night is going to be on FS1, so you can check that out. N- NBCSN has everything this weekend. And NBCSN – I mean, NBC will have a all-retired uh, driver's booth this weekend with uh, – or, or racer's booth. They're going to call it the racer's booth. Um, Rick Allen is not going to be in the booth this weekend. Uh, they're going to put Dale Jr., and, uh, Jeff Burton, and – Steve Lattard up there to call the race, and Rick Allen's going to return to the pits this weekend to be a pit reporter. That's pretty neat. Take a breath, brother. Yeah, uh, Stephen, uh, again, before I let you go, I want to thank, uh, I think I've already had, I want to thank Chocolate Myers from, for coming on and talking with us tonight, and thank you again for being a lawyer, and thank you for uh, for hosting my website, pitstopradio.net, and there's a lot going on this weekend. Uh, you follow Stephen Wilson. Uh, he's got writers. He's got Britt Winningham. He's got Adam Sinclair. You can follow all of them on, on his site at speedwaydigest.com. You can follow me at uh, pitstopradio.net. I want to thank Stephen for hosting my website also. And, Stephen, thank you again for being such a good friend. Until a.m. and boys, we said hello. But let everybody know where they can follow you on social media for you later. Before we let you jump out of here, you can follow me on Twitter at Speedway Digest, Facebook.com forward slash Speedway Digest, and SpeedwayDigest.com. All the information, all the news, all the stuff will be up uh, coming up this weekend and throughout the week as we lead into uh, Monster Energy Racing on Sunday and Truck Series tomorrow night at Eldora. Stand forward, brother. And before I let you go, uh, next Tuesday night at 720 Eastern Time, we've got uh, driving in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Mr. Garrett Smithley will be joining us. And then two weeks from tonight, we've got uh, my good friend from Public Relations, Rich from Tyler Super Speedway, Mr. Russell Branham. He will be joining us to uh, to talk about the upcoming big race here at Dega in October, the uh, 1000bubs.com 500. That's going to be pretty neat too, Stephen. But again, thank you very much. And a big shout out to Chuck Myers and thank him. And a good night from Talladega, Alabama. We'll talk to you next Tuesday evening. I'm Tim Spain, alongside SpeedwayDigest.com, Mr. Stephen Wilson. See ya.
and they clock me and watch me diamond shining, looking like I'm Rob Liberace. It's all good, from Diego to the Bay. Your city is the bomb if your city making pay. Throw up a finger if you feel the same way. Straight putting it down for California, yeah. Chevy Camaro, and listen to the pit stop with Tim Despain.